Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. A quick roundup for you this evening of uh, the latest tech stories that are floating about the world. <clears throat> Science and tech stories, some of you might be interested in. Start off with the first one. Are you a gamer, Saoirse? No, I wasn't a gamer ever, but I was with a gamer for years. So I tried to get into it, but I just, I wasn't good at it. Um, was he an Xbox or PlayStation? He was PlayStation. He was like you. Oh. Well, that's good, yeah, because the people with Xboxes have no souls, so uh, that's the only problem with uh, having an Xbox. There's only two camps uh, in the gaming world. Okay, maybe if you're on a PC, that's slightly different, but it's it's PlayStation or Xbox, and uh, we've been teased for the last while about the brand new PlayStation 5, which is going to be released this year, but we don't know when. But on the 11th of June, which is in two days' time, Thursday, they're going to, Sony are going to be releasing the first kind of full looks at it. So they're saying that there'll be a look at the future of gaming. Um, and it was meant to go ahead, I think, on the 4th last week, but they delayed it because of the George, out of respect for George Floyd, the protests that followed. And like, there was no point in them trying to plug a game when people were like, yeah. Listen, it's probably not the most important thing right now. So the only things that have been revealed, the gamepad for the PS5, the logo, no idea of uh, games or price point as of yet. I'll say it'll be a pretty penny, but uh, that's happening this Thursday. So if you or a gamer that you know um, are interested in that, the kind of full full presentation of the full model that'll be out later this year. Hopefully they'll give you a date as well this Thursday. So you go to Sony's website and the PlayStation website and they'll give you all of the details there. But I'm just throwing that out there in case anyone is thinking of buying me a Christmas present. PS5 will do more than, <laughs> will be more than enough. Okay? Well your Absolutely birthday's coming up as well. Oh there you go as well. So yeah. um, I could have um, I could have a PlayStation 5 for my birthday. Yeah, that could be an interesting one. Just, just leave subtle hints of it around kind of going hey what's going on? Thank you very much. So, uh, so yeah, that's um, what's happening in the world uh, today as well. Also, this this research, we probably know this as well. Um, you know the way we're obviously social beings and we're at the moment, we're isolating. It turns out that extended lengths of isolation could actually cut your lifespan by 25%. Well, didn't I hear that loneliness is just as bad as smoking for your health? So uh, I guess, I mean, being stuck in isolation is essentially being on your own. And, of course, you're going to be lonely. So that's going to cut your lifespan, no doubt. Uh, yeah, so they've um, it's, it's pretty bad for you. As we're social beings, we need the interaction with other people. And especially if you're on your own or imagine in whatever situation where you're completely shut off and isolated from other people, you are 
the odds are you're going to you're going to live less. So there's one of the links that they're showing if you're not communicating with other people, if you're lonely, you're going to live less. <clears throat> and one of the reasons for that is social isolation. Apparently, it's a very, very strong predictor of the risk of death. Insufficient social stimulation affects reasoning and memory performances, also affects your hormone balance. It can affect your brain's grey and white matter, your brain's connectivity. Um, it can also spread uh, your feelings of loneliness can spread through your social network um you know affecting other people in your area as well and loneliness in older people can uh, kind of foster or develop the onset of dementia and alzheimer's disease so i'm mad just from not communicating with other people but i even find that on zoom or doing any of those house house app things i know we can kind of meet a few friends now which is much better yeah, yeah. but that didn't do it for me i couldn't i might as well have not talked to anyone the those problem house party I, apps yeah. on Zoom, I just felt totally disconnected. The problem with those, you know, even if you're sitting down at a pub um, with like five or six of your mates around one table, you can tune in and out of the people that you want to talk to. Do you ever notice that someone can be having a conversation right across me? If you want to talk to someone yeah. at the end of the table, you can just look at them and you can tune out all the other noise. But when you can't do that on Zoom, it's all just the same blast of awkwardness of people talking over each other, and you're like, ah, okay, it's That's it's really so exhausting. True. Yeah, yeah, you have to listen to the person who's talking. Yeah, and it's all kind of, well, this is... It's like, put your hand up if you want to talk. Where it, it isn't really a natural way of uh, communicating or talking. But listen, do what we got to do. But th- I suppose it makes the point of if you've just gotten into a bit of a rut where you're just sitting and not bothering your whole going out and just kind of watching stuff, playing Warzone and just losing at it day in and day out because you're horrifically bad at it. Um, not only, like, it's just bad for your health not seeing people. You have to get out and you have to communicate and link in with other people. And they found as well, right, if you're part of a group, so if you play sports, if you're part of a... Uh, a football team or a sports team or any sort of group, your um, risk of getting depression in the future is reduced by about 25%. Wow, that's Just huge. from the social interaction, yeah. God, I never knew that. So, so we do need our friends. About. Something yeah. to think about on uh, on, on uh, the next couple of days and weeks when we try and get back and try and make things work and go in and, and dose yourself up with... Uh, a bit of human interaction and a bit of human contact because because the lack of it is incredibly bad for you. Uh, moving on, do you know who the Winklevoss brothers are? No. They were in a very famous movie. Brothers? They're twins, identical twins. Oh, are those the kids from um, Big Daddy and stuff? The little blonde-haired kids? No, go again. Are they, they were, the comic actors? They were the, in the movies. They were in um, the movie about the website. Oh, yeah, the social network. There you go. Ding, ding, yes. ding. Correct and right. Yes. So they felt as if they got a bit of a raw deal because, you know, they claimed that uh, Zuckerberg robbed the idea from Facebook from them. Yeah. And they might be right about that. And I'd say they are so bitter. And I think they only got, I think they got 40 million have a payoff in the settlement in the end if I'm correct and only listening back to that movie I think and I think they were suing for more because they were like well listen Facebook's worth a few billion now so give us our money um, but they are now deciding to make a movie about themselves because apparently um, they took some of their money and their wealth I think they're from a rich family anyway they're fairly well off they're, sure, they're at Harvard you can't be poor going to Harvard anyway but um, they invested in a Bitcoin startup, a Bitcoin payment processor, and they became the first people to make one billion from a cryptocurrency. Wow! So Take I, that, I don't know Zuckerberg. 
uh, well, yeah, yeah Zooks is still worth uh, a couple of more billion than that. But yeah, uh, at least I was feeling bad for them for a while there. At, at least now they made their billions. So we can all rest easy tonight now, knowing that the Winklevoss brothers took their 40 million and turned it into a billion. So we can all relax now. God, that's some Justice. surname as well, isn't it? It's a, it's a bit of an awkward one, yeah. Justice has been served. So um, apparently the guy who... They're making the movie. It's going out through Warner. The guys who did 21. Do you remember that movie? Oh, <clears throat> 21 yeah. about Blackjack and <clears throat> a few of the other ones. A similar type of vein. They're, they're going to be doing that. But I don't know. It's kind of... It's a, bit weird to fund, it's a bit weird to fund a movie about yourself, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit one-sided, but... It's like a pure I kind of want to hear piece. their story. Yeah. They obviously were enraged. Even, like, the social network kind of showed that as well. Um... And I and I know they weren't staying quiet on mm. that front. So give them their space. I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, how are your feelings about um, facial recognition software? Now, you see, this is what confuses me. Are you talking about a totally different face where you can like make yourself look completely different? Or are you talking about where people can use your face and put it on other people's bodies? No, no, I'm just talking about the fact that you can open your phone with your face. Oh. So your phone can recognize your face. Or I'm talking I about security. Anyway. Yeah, so you, how do you feel about, you know, security cameras, CCTV footage, like cameras around Dublin that will be able to scan your face and then determine who you are? Oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, well, I know it's silly because we're going, oh, we use it anyway on our phones and we don't think twice about it or on our laptop. But out in public, out in, in public, the hands and, of God you know, knows who else. In, in the hands of the government, who are some of the least trusted people in the world, are we trying to suggest that the government might misuse, or someone in the government might misuse, a facial recognition software? Hmm, I don't know. Anyway, uh, there's a lot of the big firms that are doing it. Amazon are one of the main companies that are selling facial rec- recognition technology to police forces over in the United States. A lot of their employers have been like, lads, can we stop that now? Uh, and other companies are, are using it as well and trying to... Um, develop facial recognition for things like you know maybe some days you might need a passport you walk into an airport and you're, you know the the e-passport thing you go through as well and it scans your face oh, and scans yeah. your passport and you walk through we're still, still all over the place but a lot of police forces across the United Kingdom and also in uh, America are using it on their CCTV footage and surveillance and things like that and they're trying to um, scan people's faces to determine if they can identify who they are now the idea being is that they set up an experiment over in London, I think a year or two ago, where they had a truck, uh, a police van out with a camera on top of it, and it was just scanning everyone's face. Anyone that was walking by in public, it was scanning their face, and it was then comparing their face to a database to see if they could find anyone who had an outstanding criminal warrant or whatever that was wanted by police. But I think it got a lot of protest and a lot of flack, and people were covering their faces, because like, would you feel comfortable walking down Grafton Street knowing there was a camera scanning your face to see if you had any convictions or any outstanding warrants or whatever it is that police were after you for? No, obviously I wouldn't, but at the same time I don't think twice about my Facebook page or my Instagram or, you know, like we said, on a laptop, you know, using your face to open the laptop or your phone. So, is it really that much different? Or like you said, going through security, going through those, uh, especially when you're going through immigration and stuff, and you have to go to, when you're going through the the states they have that where you get a picture taken um and we don't think twice about that so we are a bit like oh god that sounds awful but we're probably going to just adapt to it like we adapt to everything else well that 
may be the case and it may not be the case because IBM, who are one of the main developers of facial recognition software, have come out to say that they are no longer developing any facial recognition software because apparently it's a little bit biased and can turn out to be a little bit one incoherent but a, a little bit racist as well because a lot of them um, there's a lot of problems with identifying people it's come under scrutiny for racial bias and privacy concerns so there's been a lot of problems with it already so to give you an example in 2018 there was the uh, American Civil Liberties Union and uh, what they found was that the piece of software that they were using it incorrectly matched 28 members of the Congress to faces picked from 25,000 public mugshots so it's not even able to take a very well known public representative and match them to random faces as well and what they're finding is um, people are being identified for like crimes that they didn't commit uh, and it's affecting more uh, ethnic minorities um, and and different races over in the United States so they're kind of pulling away from kind of going oh this is kind of yeah see that's dangerous this is bad this is bad so whatever way it's, it's not at the right stage yet it's not as accurate yet it's not it's not good enough yet the facial recognition software has been uh, put on not even on hold they're saying they wrote to their to their congress over there and said they're no longer going to offer general purpose facial recognition or analysis software i wonder though if they will still be developing this in the background because in the letter they had said ibm firmly opposes and will not condone uses of any facial recognition technology including facial recognition technology offered by other vendors for mass surveillance racial profiling violations of human rights and freedoms or any other purpose which is not consistent with our values and principles of trust and transparency so i suppose they are still going to be developing it themselves for different applications but they're not going to be providing it for um surveillance for police surveillance and for profiling of people uh, and for governments because there's a lot of the companies that said Amazon is selling into the governments over in America facial recognition software for, for for different things. I mean, you could argue as well, right? If you had facial recognition software everywhere, you'd be able to find missing people quicker. That's it, yeah. But like, like you said, you could also pick someone up that didn't do a crime that... You know, is being the machine thinks you did, yeah, that they got it wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? What happens if you're identical twin? What happens if one of the Winklevoss yeah. goes mad and kills someone and then his That's brother I mean. gets done for? Like, I'm all for the fingerprinting, but facial recognition might not be as accurate. Yeah, so a weird one. Uh, a weird one and maybe a slippery slope that we're going down. But there you go. IBM stepping back from providing mass surveillance facial recognition software to, to governments and other companies. Maybe they're still doing it in the background. I'm kind of going, oh my God, what's going on? But are you, do you have the iPhone that's able to open it with your face? Yeah, and I have my laptop. But what's so funny is if I am wearing no makeup, it doesn't recognize who I am. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It won't open. <laughs> God, so kind of like a fella. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, no, without makeup on, my God. Because I started, you know, when I connected at the start, like I used, I probably was wearing a full face of makeup. It was around Christmas time. And but that's probably weird. The lashes that, on and it? everything yeah. else. So it doesn't recognize me. And it is me. So that's a bit worrying. Yeah, that is another one. They'd never be able to get overcome that barrier. Women wearing makeup, ruining facial recognition. Yeah, because um, I, I gain cheekbones and everything when I have makeup on, which I don't have otherwise. A bit of contouring. A bit of beautiful yeah. contouring. My God, that's yeah. It. Right, well, there so, you go. Listen, yeah. um, anything we've missed, give us a shout. 0876797104. Uh, still to come on the show, a gentleman who will be able to explain to you why you might feel the need to text your ex during lockdown and what happens to your love life, your sex life, and your romantic life during lockdown. They've been studying it. from He's from the, uh, the Kinsey Institute over in the United States. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. 
Room 104 with Cormac and Sergio here at uh, Lewis Capaldi. Um, still to come on the show, gentlemen who will be speaking to us about uh, texting your ex during lockdown, why you do it, why you can't maybe stop yourself from doing it. But uh, something popped up on my feed there during the week, and um, it's from a couple of years ago, but I never actually knew this. But oh, yeah. when, I, when, when, I, when I say this to you, <clears throat> you probably think I'm a little bit insane. Are Pringles a biscuit or a crisp? Oh, stop. What do you mean, are they a biscuit or a crisp? Simple question. Are they a biscuit or are they a crisp? Obviously, they're a crisp. Pringles are a crisp. Mm, yeah, yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? They're not a biscuit. Pringles are not a biscuit. Oh, my God, stop it. I've never, ever heard of this even being said. This is a lie. Oh, I know, yeah. It's not, <clears throat> yeah it Maybe may fake news. Um, it's technically not fake news. So, listen... Um, let, let, let me know, do, do you know what the crack is with this and why they may not be, they may not be deemed a crisp, okay? I'll, I'll just leave it at that. We'll get, I'll t- tell you more in a few moments' time, but quick poll. Are they a biscuit or are they a crisp? Let us know. Oh, it's 7679 Music. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. Podcasts will be available uh, right after the show. So if you want to tomorrow listen back to the full show uninterrupted, you can do so. And uh, we'll also put up the individual interviews and features as well. So that'll be up on the Room 104 podcast. You can subscribe to that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Blah, 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 blah. Now, um, thank you if you do subscribe, by the way. We do appreciate it. <laughs> uh, now, the this popped up on my timeline um, during the week, and it's a story from a while back, but uh, <laughs> it's serious. Serious debates happening this evening because um, the, the question I need to know and get your answer from is are a Pringles, are they crisps or are they biscuits? Now, if you told your fiancé to go down and get a packet of biscuits and she came back with Pringles, you'd want her to go and get her head checked. Oh, I'd leave her. I'd leave her. I'd just be like, good luck, see you, bye. That's grounds for I, divorce. You don't dip Pringles into your tea. So they're, they're not biscuits? No. There, that's, that's the answer. No. You'd think crisps. that, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you put Pringles. Have you ever had a crisp sandwich with Pringles? No, no I, I, I'll be honest with you. I kind of hate crisp sandwiches. I don't get the buzz. I know, I know they're the go-to oh thing for a lot of people. God. Oh my God, tater crisp sandwich is amazing. I'm like, oh, I don't really care. No, because it has to be king crisps usually, but loads of butter and your king crisps. But the odd time you'll stick Pringles in just to be a little bit adventurous. You don't put biscuits in a sandwich. Oh, there's an idea. <laughs> no. No, like it just doesn't go. I have to be in the minority here. The majority, sorry, the majority and saying that Pringles are crisps. Uh, They were once ruled by the courts over in Britain as they, they should not be classified as a potato chip or a potato crisp product because of the Pringle tube's unnatural shape. Oh, stop it. Listen, listen, this is ridiculous because this they were actually deemed a biscuit. Um, and it all had to do with the old tax rate because they were determined to have been filed under the wrong tax bracket and Procter & Gamble were brought to court and had to pay millions in fines for wrongly classifying Pringles. As biscuits, oh my God. as opposed to well, Yeah, okay, well, I'm glad that that was cleared up. So they're not turning around now saying we're all eating biscuits 
while we're having a box of Pringles. So 2008, the ruling uh, from the court, uh, the, the, the ruling from the British courts were that they Pringles were a biscuit. I'm just devastated. Uh, this was this was then um, a, a tax decision. So if they were deemed biscuits, they were subject to zero VAT. So they didn't have to pay any VAT. So if they were, you know, they could probably get away with charging a little bit higher and making some money for themselves. So they were determined for a while because of their shape and because they were only half made out of potato things that they were deemed a biscuit because half of the biscuit is made up in, in wheat and wheat flour and things like that. So they're like, this is a biscuit. Relax, everyone. But where are we at now then? Like, have uh, you established it, now that that was a lie and they're not a biscuit at all and that they just did it to avoid tax, but they're really crisps? Uh, they were legally biscuits for a while. Oh, my God. So they, they legally wanted to say, they legally... Uh, <laughs> good old corporations, anything to get away with uh, uh, without paying anyone or anything. So they were like, no, no, listen, 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 listen. The shape isn't uh, too crispy and it's more of a biscuit. So they had it legally registered... As a biscuit, that meant it was uh, subject to zero VAT, zero percent VAT. And then a year later, the the ruling was overturned. The Court of Appeal, it was overturned there. And it was once again considered a crisp. um, And it was subject to the VAT increase, which was obviously bad news for Procter & Gamble, who owned them at the time. That is some of the most shocking news I've ever heard. (laughs) I'm shocked. It was that. yeah, it was it was a, a crisp identifying as a uh, biscuit. Like that's like saying Oreos are a crisp. Um, is a is a Jaffa cake a biscuit or a cake? A Jaffa cake should be thrown in the bin. Is what that should be done to it. Uh, Jaffa cakes are absolutely disgusting. Uh, no one should ever eat Jaffa cakes. They should never have been made, along with fig rolls, for that matter. What's your problem with Horrible. Jaffa cakes and fig rolls? They're just. No, because you, you know it's the coconut. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
What? Don't Jaffa There's cake no coconut, coconut Jaffa flakes cake? in it? They're the orange in ones, aren't they? In what? In Jaffa cake. Isn't a Jaffa cake like an orangey flavour? There's <laughs> no coconut in it. Okay, but is there not coconut, orangey, coconut flakes in it? Uh, I don't think so. That's news to me if there anyway. is. You shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't be eating them. They're the, the dark chocolate with the gooey stuff in the middle. Well, not really dark chocolate. They're like... No, they're disgusting. A soft biscuit. They are absolutely vile. Honestly, so, they should be thrown in there with bounty bars and fig rolls and what else is disgusting. You're just going back. Licorice, all of that stuff. You're just going back. Now you're just going back. Listen, licorice can go, but Jaffa cakes can stay and so can uh, fig rolls. So no, Jaffa cakes are not a biscuit. They're a nothing. And fig rolls are also not a biscuit. They're also a nothing. <laughs> I'm well, standing up for biscuits rights here. <laughs> go marching, eh? Get some placards yeah, I'm too. Gonna go, I'm going to go biscuit marching for... Um, yeah. Yeah, for chocolate digestives. <laughs> Screw your Jaffa cakes. Do you know what I just had there, actually? I had a cup of tea and I had a, 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 choc- a digestive, but a chocolate caramel digestive, and they are the worst oh. biscuits in the world. No, look, what happened Disgusting. was they got notions and they decided, you know what, we'll, we'll change this up and we will do double chocolate and we'll do caramel chocolate digestives. There was no need. Don't change it. It's kind of like when girls put on far too much makeup or too much tan. The more natural, the better. You don't need to be caking on caramel on top of a very good biscuit or double chocolate. Now, on the other hand, I just had a brunch during uh, one of the songs there and I, of course, posted it up on Instagram and got a lot of loving for a brunch. Actually, most people agreed that they are absolutely delicious and the best ice cream that there is. No, there's not. They're nowhere near as good as uh, an iceberg or anything else like that. An iceberg is brilliant, but no, a brunch is better. Well, well, listen, before you went off on your anti-Jaffa cake rant, you, anti, mm. you know, um, they are deemed, or McVitie's who owns them, decided if you're ever if you're ever in the office again, if you're ever outside again, or arguing with people about whether or not a Jaffa cake is a biscuit or a cake, McVitie's successfully argued that Jaffa cakes are a cake because they are obviously vat-free as well. They don't have to pay any vat on them. I'm not surprised because no one buys them. I buy them all the time. They're great. No, they're not. Can I hang up the phone now? Do you know, hang up the mic? Do you know like, what's no, 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 really no, good? Do you know what's really good? And I haven't seen them in ages, and I want to know if they're still around. You know Mr. Kipling? Oh. Do you know that brand? They yeah. used to make these little little sponge, like, mini cakes. I think they had it in a packet. I'm, I, it might have been a red or a blue packet, but they were little sponge cakes with chocolate chips in the middle. They were un. They, they weren't the ones, because I had some of them on the weekend where they had like a small little pink cake and a chocolate cake and a normal cake. No, they're okay. the, um, oh, can't remember the name of them ones. They're delicious, but only the pink ones, obviously. But no, yeah. I'm talking about these are plain, like spongy kind of cakes with chocolate chips, but they were Mr. Kipling. My mum used to always buy them. Let me know anyone if you know what I'm talking about and if they're still selling them, because I need to go and buy loads. Yeah, stocking up on the supplies while we're just uh, weaving our way out. Oh, it's seven six seven nine seven uh, one zero four. But there you go. Uh, Pringles used to be classified as a biscuit. Used to be classified as an actual biscuit. Got overturned, and Jaffa cakes are now legally and for tax purposes <laughs> officially a cake. They're not a biscuit. They're uh, a cake. So there you go. FM one hundred four's Room one hundred four podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Oh, we're tragic. We are Great news. Yeah. No, it's not. It's terrible news. Turn that off. 
No, this is great. This is the, uh, you know, midlife crisis music. You're like, oh, mm. the world's falling apart. <laughs> okay. Well, it is after so you hear this. On? Dublin. What's going on? What's going on? Dublin has been ranked the most expensive place to live in Europe. Woo! That is disgusting. Now, okay, have they taken London out of it because London's no longer in Europe because you did your whole Brexit thing? But even still, the fact that we'd be more expensive than Paris and um, Rome and Milan is just disgusting. It, like, I, I don't even know if I have words to, to describe how sad I feel. Like, when you looked out the window today and it was lashing rain, like, how did that make you feel, knowing you're living in the most expensive city in Europe? It's just absolutely, absolutely insane. Because I've been looking at, you know, I, I like to do, um, you know, you go into Daft and just look for houses you can't afford and apartments you'll never be able to afford. Yes. And I was just keeping an eye on Daft. You know, you go around and you try and see, I was trying to see if rent um, and house prices were going to be coming down because of the whole COVID thing. And they kind of really haven't moved. And I'm kind of like, oh, for God's sakes. No, they Can't even moved. get a break. Can't get a they break. Haven't. Um, this this was obviously a survey done with over 200 cities um, which was big enough wasn't it we beat Milan Paris Zurich like Zurich is one of the most expensive places in the world like it's just, just a country it's just insane so obviously the cost of renting accommodation here is yeah. diabolical and that is why we have made it to the top spot really the average place to rent here, apartment, house, whatever, 1300 per month. Like the average. Uh, and like you'd struggle to, you'd struggle to even find, you'd, you definitely wouldn't get a two bed for 1300 So that'd be Absolutely like a one bed. Absolutely not. Yeah. One bed. And then they obviously incorporated <laughs> the cost of living, the cost of clothes, the cost of yeah. travel. And we beat Paris, Milan and Zurich. I mean, come on, lads. Yeah, like, our, our, I know, like, London, and they've obviously got the numbers that they might be able to obviously bring the prices down a little bit, but the buses in the Lewis, they're, they're bloody expensive, like, especially if you're coming in and out. I'm sure if you're working from home now, you are probably saving a ton on transport costs, which is, you know, probably brilliant. But it's at least, well, if you're going in and out on the bus, it's probably at least five or six quid a day, and same on the Lewis. It's yeah. about 25, at least 25 quid a week. Oh, I need to sneeze. Oh. Do you remember the days that, like, a bus would be change? Like, literally just change. Oh, excuse me. Are you okay? So my allergies are flaring up. I think of the coronavirus. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, no, you're just getting sick at the thoughts of living in the most expensive city I'm, in I'm, Europe. I'm allergic to Dublin now. This is what's happening. I'm allergic to it, and I can't breathe anymore. It's just too suffocating. It's just awful, isn't it? I mean, Hong Kong was the most expensive city in the world. Right, That's okay. kind of, you know, you kind of expect that. But us, that's not good enough. And this study was done, by the way, in March. This is a recent study. Yeah, maybe they'll need to do it again September-wise when maybe certain things will cool down, but it's just... Uh, yeah, it's bleak. So annoying. It like, is bleak. You go to places like Milan or Paris or Amsterdam, you wouldn't even go to Zurich because you'd say it's too expensive. Mm, yeah. And then... You know, so if you're going for a nice romantic weekend away, you're saving up to go to some some of these places because you think it's really expensive, and then you realise, no, it's actually not as expensive as here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, it's a bit awkward.
So yeah, the most great expe- news. That is that. Well done, everyone. I don't. Yeah. I don't even know. Like I don't even know if there's anything you can do for that. Like it's not how do you fault. make a city uh, a city cheaper? Dublin can expensive. we ever decide to you know <laughs> go backwards and go back to basics? Get that rent right down. Just go camping will in ever, Phoenix Park. That's will what we'll it ever start <laughs> Maybe it will, actually, yeah. I mean, see, the problem is with us, right? We have um, taken on this new alternative route where we p- we pay for things like uh, matcha lattes in certain parts of Dublin that you'd never have done before. So now people are turning a tree house or a tree into a house uh, and they're putting it up for rent for, for 10 grand and people go, oh, that's really quirky. That's very yeah. cool. And someone will actually go and rent that. But that's the problem. Yeah, I know. Disgusting. Oh, God. Listen, there you go. We've made it to the top of the list of something. We might not be brilliant at football and a lot of other things, but the most expensive city in the world, you're living in it. We should all get a medal. That'll probably cost about four grand. My God. Mm. Uh. No words. Uh. We can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, listen, don't don't bother ever trying to save up for a house or don't bother ever trying to move on to the next stage of your life. Just spend €12 on those matcha latte coffees because it's technically the only thing you'd be able to afford. And you know what you could try and do? With the money that you're saving to try and buy a house that you'll never be able to afford, why don't you put that into counselling for you to be able to get over the fear of your mother when you're in your (laughs) 30s and she's still screaming at you in the house? (laughs) You should do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but by my age, I was onto my fourth property. Were oh, yeah. you? Yeah, the gaff was like four grand. That's how much it cost back in your day. Take your shoes out of there. No, it's yeah. two in the morning. I'm thirty. Stop. I'm bringing another random man back. I don't care. I oh, don't care yes. anymore. I've lost the shame. Right. Well, there you go. And um, the most expensive. I wonder what's the cheapest. I, I know it doesn't really gonna show what the cheapest is, but um, can we move there? Is that what you're saying? we'd need to move there quickly get in early and find where the cheapest place is to live like does this even include like Norway and places like that and Scandinavian countries yes because they're does. always uh, that's that's not on no it's not on because they no. were always deemed the most expensive places now we've overtaken them yeah how miserable right well there you go so don't um, uh, don't be shocked by the rent prices here because yes they are ridiculously expensive so I don't know who's able to rent though that's the thing do you ever look around and you're like I was looking at the windows of um, letting agents and, you know, yeah, someone, you know they, they get taken down because someone has actually decided to rent that place. I'm like, <laughs> what? How? Yeah, you're looking at them going, sorry, sorry, what's going on? How are you doing this? Yeah. Right. Well, uh, well listen, that's that. Um, before, uh, before we go, we have to go across to uh, Justin Lay Miller who runs a website called Sex and Psychology. He's a psychologist, does a lot of writing on psychology today as well. And he'll be explaining to you why you feel the urge to go and text your ex during lockdown. So you might have done it, even if you're in a relationship, you might have felt a little tingle to kind of go and text your ex. Let us know if you've done it, by the way, and what has been the outcome of that now that restrictions are starting to ease. 0876797104. But he is on the way next. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Room 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here. How has lockdown been affecting your love life? Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Obviously good signs that we're slowly starting to creep out of it, get back to some form of normality. But during lockdown, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago before, but have you ever reached out? Have you ever 
text an ex while you're in lockdown. So, I mean, straight over to you, Saoirse. Did you? Never. I have never texted an ex in my life. I'm one of these people that just, once I break up with someone, never, ever go back. But I have two friends who are now back with their exes. Because they were that bored in lockdown. I swear to God. Yeah. Oh, good God. Well, one of them hasn't seen him at all, has just been writing to him on, um, I don't know, on Instagram or something and has been Zooming him now and again. And the other one has started meeting up for walks. So they're basically going back to what they used to do before they kind of even got together. Oh, no. You know, going for walks and going back to their own houses separately. And yeah, I just find it really odd and surely it's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's different, especially if you're single, maybe it's different. Uh, I don't know if you were in a relationship and you decided to reach out to an ex. That's a different conversation as well, you know? A lot of awkward things. But um, someone has actually looked, in, looked into this to see, is this a rare occurrence or are more people than we might imagine actually going out of their way to kind of rekindle a, uh, a, a an old romance with an old ex? Uh, someone who studied this from the New Kinsey Institute, they were looking at how does the quarantine affect your love life and affect your decisions when it comes to things like that. Joins us on the line now, Justin Lay Miller, sir. How are you? Thank you very much for popping on the show. I'm great. Thanks for having me. So you guys were looking into what exactly and what did you find? So we conducted a long-term study to look at how lockdowns and quarantines are impacting people's intimate lives because this is an unprecedented situation and there was a lot that was being said in the media about what was happening in people's lives, but we really wanted to have some data to be able to back that up and to mm. see what is happening. So we surveyed a few thousand people starting in mid-March, and we followed up with them every few weeks since, and we asked them about a bunch of different things from how their sexual and romantic life is right now to whether they've reached out to an ex to new things that they've tried or experimented with in their sex life. but. When it comes to reaching out to exes, we find that this is actually a pretty common thing. About one in five of our participants said they'd reached out to at least one ex, and one in four people said they had heard from at least one ex. Why is this? That's a great question, and there are lots of different motivations for why people are reconnecting with their exes right now. So we asked people what their reasons were for doing this, and the single most common reason was just because they wanted to check in and see how their ex was doing. But people could report more than one reason and motivation, and some of them were just feeling lonely or bored. Some of them <laughs> wanted to hook up. Some of them wanted to get back together. Uh, some uh, were checking in on shared children that they have with an ex. So it, it really runs the gamut in terms of people's motivations here. Yeah, you're probably the same as me. Why would you feel the need to look for someone that you've been with already? Like, why would you not be, you know, you have the time to search for someone new? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Is it the fact that we kind of already know them and it's... I guess when you're stuck in lockdown, you're kind of reminiscing on the good times that you had, being able to go out and stuff, and then maybe that was part of it? That could be part of it, but I think another part is that what we're seeing in our data, and we're seeing this in other studies as well, is that people are feeling really stressed and lonely during this lockdown period, and a lot of people are looking for comfort and security, and so going back to someone that you already know well and that you have a lot of shared history with might provide that sense of comfort or, or temporary escape. So I think that's a lot of it um, for people, but there are also some people who are in relationships who are reaching out to their exes as well. In fact, we found that about one in eight people in uh, committed relationships in our study had reached out to an ex. And so 
part of what's going on there is that some of these people are reevaluating <laughs> their current relationship <laughs> and maybe realizing it's it's not quite as good as as, <laughs> as what I thought, or maybe I let the, the the real one get away. So some people are rekindling these past relationships, even though they're currently in a committed relationship right now. It's funny though, you mentioned that, I find it fascinating that some people in uh, a relationship have reached out to an ex, so if you're listening and you know, there's another half in the house you're now, with, with data and um, science behind you have every reason to go and check their phone right now and just uh, go through <laughs> all their emails try and find the secret phone that's in the house as well because they might be reaching out um, it, I imagine maybe it, because as you said this is completely not normal it's a completely different living situation that most people find themselves in and instead of seeing your other half for a couple of hours in the evening instead of seeing your other half for two or three or four hours in the evening it's now 24 hours a day and maybe people have done like the equivalent of a four-year relationship in a couple of months and are like actually i'm out see you bye yeah and this is something that it was so interesting for us to look at is how is this situation impacting people's relationships and what we're seeing is that more often than not, people are reporting that it's having a negative effect on their intimate life. There are some couples who are getting closer where this situation is helping them to develop a new intimacy and their sex life and relationship is better than ever. But they're kind of the exception to the rule because for a lot of people, there's a lot of challenge and struggle, especially with issues of personal space because they can't escape <laughs> this other person. And maybe they're seeing different sides of them that they've never seen before. So there are certainly higher levels of conflict right now, which is also part of what's driving some of these people to reach out to the next. I live on my own, so I'm not one of these people, but Cormac, how are you finding it? Yeah, yeah fine. They're obviously, we're not fine. No, we've obviously had our disagreements and our rows and you wind up doing your head in after a while. And I think that's, and I think that's normal. But what I like to do as a passive aggressive person is not deal with the conflict head on and just let it fester into this simmering rage that'll eventually boil over at some point. Uh, so no, obviously, <laughs> obviously don't do that. But and was there anything else, um, Justin, that you found interesting from, from the study um, that, you know, maybe can shed some light on our lives in lockdown? Sure. So one of the things we're seeing is that people are having less sex right now than they were beforehand, which isn't surprising, but it runs contrary to a lot of what we've heard in the media about how there's going to be a coronavirus baby boom. That seems pretty unlikely considering that people are less active right now. But one of the other really interesting things we found was that about one in five of our participants said that they had tried something new in their sex life since lockdown began. So that could be maybe they're incorporating more technology into their bedroom activities, or maybe they're sharing their fantasies with a partner for the first time, or maybe they're sexting or just, there were all kinds of different things that people reported that were new additions to their sex lives. And the people who were trying these new things were the most likely to report improvements in their sex lives and relationships. So despite the fact that this period of time is a sexual drought for a lot of people. It's also been a period of sexual revolution for a lot of people as well, where they're expanding their their bedroom repertoire and trying a lot of new and different things. See, that's the thing I just don't get. Like, I can't imagine being with somebody, living with them 24-7, probably not even working. Neither of you are probably working, or if you are, you're working from home, and you're having less sex. Doesn't make any sense. Well, I think a big part of that is, is the stress factor, right? Because stress can push down sexual desire for a lot of people. There, there are some people who cope with stress by actually having more sex because sex is a stress reliever for them. Um, but for a lot of people, stress just has this effect of 
making it really hard for us to get in the mood for for sexual activity and i think that's a big part of what's going on here yeah i can imagine you know, it's not the, the sexiest romantic evening it's like i have no idea what my job's going to be like in six months time and maybe we can't afford the mortgage i'm feeling very feisty right now yeah so i imagine <laughs> a lot of people will be kind of yeah stressed a bit but but listen that's a really interesting fascinating research we've learned that people in relationships might be texting their exes because you're doing their head in some people are having better sex than ever some people are having absolutely no sex during but lockdown but you know it'd be so really interesting if we do a study afterwards not us personally but maybe if if you did a study Justin and find out whether if someone does get back with their ex Will they last? Oh, oh, that 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 would be a good one, yeah. Yeah, and that's something that we would certainly like to look at, and we're continuing to follow these people over time. So we will have some sense as to whether or not these relationships are actually going to last, or if it's just a temporary holding relationship until they kind of get through the quarantine period. Yeah, no, that'd be really, that'd be really interesting because that old thing of you want what you can't have, and then you know yeah. grass is always greener on the other side, and then you realise, oh yeah, you're a bit of a dick, and that's why I left you in the first place. So that'll be uh, <laughs> tons tons of research um, uh, kind of theories to look at over the next while. But listen, uh, Justin, thanks a million for popping on um, and sharing that stuff with us. Is if someone wants to maybe look into more of the stuff that you're writing or researching? Best place to find you is sure. I run a website. It's called Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com, and I blog about the latest sex research in a way that will entertain and inform you. Brilliant. Well, listen, we've certainly been informed and entertained this evening. Justin Lay Miller from sexandpsychology.com. Thanks a million for popping on. Thank you for having me. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 